Hi, world. Welcome back to Gridiron Gamble. The only podcast that is going to be this salty about the Miami Dolphins, this side of the Mississippi. I'm your host, Rich Ryan, and I'm joined by one member of the collective, Donnie D.P. Peters, and I am pissed off. After a 2-2-1 week, we slipped to 13, not really slipped, but 13-9-3 in the Las Vegas Super Contest. We did slip in the rankings, down to 580. DP, I'm I'm just not happy. A is going to make me happy. The marine layer is hanging over us here in Southern California. It's a dreary day. Last night, okay, I get it. The Saints come out, look like gangbusters and mollywop us, but I can't get over the Dolphins game, and I'm still pretty salty about the Texans game. DP, I'm gonna I'm gonna need some positivity from you on this podcast. Well, um. Uh... I'm not sure if I can really bring it. I mean, excellent. I'm, I'm more positive than you are. Yeah, you and your that's for sure. Hello, world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, I even I, I picked the Bengals, and I'm still just like, what the hell? I mean, they were up seventeen nothing. We're getting six and a half. That was just the Dolphins blowing that game. I mean, blowing the game, like a, you know, just the game itself in the actual NFL, straight up. Okay. I get it. It can it can happen, um, but blowing the game against the spread, I mean, it's just it just seems unbelievable. Just the way that it fell apart, the way that they crumbled those pick sixes slash fumbles, whatever the heck you want to call them, um, you know, completely defying the laws of physics and just two, everything going wrong. Two that, pick sixes wow. to defensive linemen. Yeah, How? on balls that just bounced like. Just really weird ways, perfect ways that they had to land, you know, into the defensive lineman. And then also just the fact that the defensive linemen, who aren't the most agile and fast people in the world, you know, were able to just have the, the clearest of paths to the end zone at both times. And no one on Miami was anywhere near them that they just waltzed in and put up six points on both of those. I mean, the whole thing is just an absolute disaster. Miami's horrible. They're just, they're horrible. I'm going to need a deposition on Ryan Tannehill on why he threw the first one too. The second one, I can kind of get, right? They're down, they're in desperation mode. And the biggest thing that happened to the Dolphins, I guess we're just going to start there, was the injury to Laramie Tunsil. Left tackle goes down early in the second half, and his replacement is something called Sam Young. And Sam Young's actually been in the league for a couple years, it looks like. Uh, um, His PFF data started in 2011. So this is a a veteran. This is a guy who has proved his worth and actually should be in the league based on merit. He's been around. People know what he's about. Uh, PFF has him graded as a 16.5 out of 100 in pass blocking this season. 16.5. You're telling me you can't get somebody off the street that can do better than 16.5? Every time Tannehill took a snap towards the end of that game, he didn't even hit the end of his drop, and there were just five bangles in his face. It was absurd. Geno Atkins just ate in that second half. So I, I can understand the second one. But what was that first one? He was, like, trying to ground it into his running back's feet, I guess, and then it just pops up and goes for six. I don't get it. I'm I'm convinced that uh, that Adam Gase wants nothing to do with Ryan Tannehill. Like he just he's stuck with him, and he absolutely hates it. 
He's not really stuck with him, though, right? His contract's not that bad. I think they can definitely get up from from under it next year if they want to. But even like, I don't know. I'll check his dead cap number in a second, but I don't even think it's it's that high. If you really hated the quarterback that much, I think it's a dead cap number that you can you can kind of swallow. I have it up right now. Um, his dead cap number this year is twenty two point one million. Next year thirteen point four. Year after that five point five. Okay, yeah. So twenty two is a little hard to swallow. Uh, but thirteen. I mean, if you really hate your quarterback. And it, you think it's that important of a position, which most most teams do. I mean, what what are the bills eating for? Like Marcel Darius is here, right? Like I I think if they really do hate Tannehill, that they'll get up from under that next year. Twenty two is is a little too rich, but thirteen they could they could definitely survive without it. Before before we continue on the Dolphins game, real quick, I I do want to say that part of me is is happy that Mo is not on this podcast because he would be bitching and complaining to the moon and back. Uh, about some of the games that we did not select. And Donnie, I'm, I'm actually starting to f- kind of feel bad. Moe's killing it. He's 18-6-1, which would be good for 18.5 points and tied for 23rd in the Super Contest right now. Should I be feeling bad for Mo right now? No, because Mo has 25% share in this venture, and he has the ability to change some things. Um, one, he can help talk to us throughout the week uh, to hopefully guide us in the right direction. Two, he can use these vetoes that he's talked about for the past two weeks that he has yet to fire and then just makes a huge stink of it every Sunday, um, you know, in the first five minutes of every single game, saying that things are layups and locks and, you know, whatnot. So Mo has control, at least some control. So he needs to exercise that control a little bit better and, you know, stop being such a whiny little baby when it all comes down to it at the end and we end up with a couple of losses. Well, he would have not vetoed the slurs because they were in his top five. And I doubt he would have vetoed the Texans because they bubbled his top five. He likely would have vetoed my selection of the Dolphins, which honestly I don't think would have been correct because as we stated, they they jumped out to that 17 to nothing lead in Cincinnati. And let's officially reset there oh, real quick uh, across the board. Uh, you went four and one in addition to Mo. Mo went four and one. Brett went three one and one, and of course the one pick that he put on the card was a loser. It's just so bad how Brett is running when it comes to that. He's like the last two weeks he's seven two and one, and both of his picks on the card uh, are have been those two losers, which is just insane. Uh, and I went two two and one, thanks to those Bengals, Texans, and racial slurs. But let's go back to that. Miami Cincinnati game. Like you said, they jump out to a 17 nothing lead. Uh definitely feeling good especially after that special teams touchdown because the Dolphins offense wasn't really stellar to uh to say the least. And uh we the defense looked fine too. Really kept Dalton in check. But then we get this one drive in the second half where there's so many penalties. Dolphins had nine penalties for 85 yards and I feel like the majority of them came on this first scoring drive for the Bay for the Bengals, excuse me. and But even then, DP, I just didn't feel like the tide was turning that much uh, before those insane Ryan Tannehill turnovers. And then as soon as they get the first pick six, the Dolphins go three and out, and my heart starts to drop. Bengals go down and score again. Uh, and then you're like, okay, we can, we can survive this, right? Because like you said, we don't need... 
to win this game outright. We just need to cover. So 20 to 17, uh, or 17, 17, we can live with this. And then even 2017, we can live with this. And then Tannehill goes and does it again. I, I cannot believe what I watched on Sunday, DP. After that first uh, pick six, I, I thought, okay, you know, Miami, like you're still up, but was it 17 to 10 at the time? You're still up, just put together a drive. Even like I would have felt fine if they even if they didn't score on the drive, but just drove, you know, let's say 40 to 50 yards. Just just did some work, ate some clock, that sort of stuff. But like you said, three and out, the play calls were just I don't know really what they were doing. I, I don't know. I this is where I, this is why I think that Adam Gates just doesn't like Ryan Tannehill because he doesn't he doesn't try to do things with him or he doesn't try to really let him like air it out unless they're kind of in like the desperation mode, which tells me that he just doesn't like his quarterback at all because I feel like he, I mean, he's an offensive minded coach. Everyone tells me that he's supposed to be good. You know, he's not that he's a a McVay or a Shanahan, but he's sort of that tier two, if they're going to be in the tier one of these young up and coming coaches. And he just, he doesn't really do anything with Tannehill. I mean, Tannehill, it's like, kind of give him one read and that's it. And if that falls apart, well, good luck. So I don't really know what to think, but they need to, the Dolphins need better play calling overall. They need to be more aggressive overall. They definitely need to give the, the ball to, to Drake a bit more. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really know what to expect. I mean, you guys were right. You know, you guys were, you know, pounding the, the your chest, just talking about how the Dolphins weren't a three and O team. I mean, they were three and O based on the record, but they were not, really a 3-0 and team uh, whenever they go against any sort of uh, good competition. Yeah. I I, re- I really think that when the tonsil injury happened, I think they turtled completely on offense, Gase included. I think he just tried to protect the game. And honestly, it would have worked if Tannehill just took two sacks. You know? <laughs> just take two sacks, punt the ball, know the situation. And unfortunately... That's what happens when you have a wide receiver playing quarterback. You know, there's there's got to be little things that Tannehill doesn't do because he's just not played the position his entire life, right? There's just little cerebral things that are not even measurable that I'm sure another quarterback may have just fallen down there, taken the sack. But Ryan Tannehill tried to be a hero even though he was up a touchdown and didn't need to. I don't know why he doesn't run more. Well, coming off the knee injury is probably one thing, but yeah. They, so they've, everyone else comes off a knee injury and they're, they're better than they were before the knee injury. He's the one guy that's like scared. Well, I think he's looked good actually when he has run the ball. One of the things they did really well against the jets is they ran a bunch of read option and it worked really well. But I, I, I honestly don't think the Bengals are the team to do read option against because where that, where there are good is in their defensive front and especially with getting Vontez back their front seven is really stout so I don't know if read option will work really well against them honestly I I think I, I didn't hate the Dolphins game plan at all I just think they they suffered a, a big injury and didn't know how to react uh and were t- totally shell-shocked when it happened and I mean you you saw those passing plays like Tannehill got to the end of his drop and that was it the play was over yeah, but I'm not necessarily saying run a bunch of read option. I'm saying when trouble hits, 
get out of there with your athleticism, which you have because I, you've I shown even, it over your career, I don't as know. opposed to trying to throw these weird balls. I mean, that, that second one, you talked about the, the first one, but the second one, I mean, yeah, it was desperation, but he was running to his left and tried to throw back to his right when he was under pressure. I mean, that's just a recipe for disaster from the start. Yeah, totally. I, I totally agree there. Uh, I just don't know if there's any escaping the rush. Like this, the... It wasn't. I mean, even, the the king of, of escaping the rush is, is Cam Newton, right? I mean, he almost does it too much. Like he tucks it too early and starts running. But some of these more athletic quarterbacks, like and Alex Smith, is pretty good at it. You know, I mean, he's more super safe and he'll just tuck and kind of run and get those extra yards. I just don't see why Ryan Tannehill can't just do that. The, the biggest I mean, he, can get, he can get three to five yards every single time. The biggest issue with breaking pocket against the rush of the Bengals is that their strongest rush comes from the interior. When you think about a lot of times when you break pocket, the uh, the pocket always creates a U, right? Or at least in theory it should. So when your edge rushers kind of win and they get outside, you can, in a lot of cases, this is what Alex Smith does extremely well, is you step into the pocket and it kind of creates a lane uh, and you go from there. But against the Bengals, their best pass rusher is Geno Atkins, who's normally rushing from the interior, uh, the A gap or the B gap. So when he gets pressure... You have to break pocket into the direction of an outside rusher. So it's just a nightmare when Geno starts eating and your left tackle is just dead. Because as soon as you break pocket, there's somebody on your ass on that end too. So I just I honestly don't think there was a lot that they could do. Honestly, they should have done the nineteen nineties football probably and just ran the ball every play, got two yards in a cloud of dust, ran forty seconds off the clock every time, and then punted. Like you're up 17. Well, one of the nothing. things that I, I thought they, they could have done a little bit better. And maybe this is just a personnel thing. Cause I don't think that Miami necessarily has this player. Is they could have put an extra tight end over to help that left tackle, um, you know, and do some blocking, but I don't think Miami has a real true blocking tight end. I don't even know if Miami has a real tight end period. <laughs> um, and then also they could have done a lot more, uh, you know, let's say put Ryan Tannehill in shotgun, have the running back right next to him, have the running back pick up the extra blocker or give some help where he needed to. I know Frank Gore is really good at that. Um, I mean, he's 95 years old, but he's still pretty awesome. So, you know, being able to help your quarterback in that situation or in with those situations, um, you know, by adding an extra personnel or scheming it a little bit better, I think, you know, falls a little bit on, on Gase, um, but overall just disaster. Yeah, I think, they could have really used some of their jet action as well. It's one of the most popular things in the NFL right now. I don't even know who started it, but that little jet action pop pass that a lot of people are doing, it, it it's basically a riff off of jet action on either a running play or just a play fake to just kind of freeze the linebackers and the safeties. And it's just, it, they've turned it into this pop pass play. And the Dolphins have run it. Uh, I believe one of their weird... Uh, like uh, Albert Wilson throwing touchdowns to Jerry and Grant or whatever. I think that was off of a pop pass. And that's one of the things the Dolphins have done well is use their lateral speed this season to kind of beat teams. And I think that's one of the things they could have utilized there at the end. They're not having very much success running straight or throwing the ball, really. Why not try to stretch the defense a little bit? And and maybe that goes back to what you are saying about Adam Gase and not being creative enough. Literally anything. You're up 17 nothing in a professional football t- game. You have to find a way to get out of there with the outright win. I'm not even talking about the plus six and a half on the cover. So let's get to more positive things. And I was not positive watching this game, but we somehow escaped Browns hosting the Ravens. Browns getting three. The Browns win outright another overtime game for Cleveland. They win 12 to nine. 
I watched every snap of this game, DP, and I was not happy the entire time. Both of these teams were brutal on both sides of the ball. The defenses were stout, but even then there was just, I don't know, poor tackling. Nothing about this game was visually appealing. I feel like we kind of snuck this one out. I was saying in the first quarter that it just felt like the Ravens were going to get out of this game alive with the win and a cover because the Browns offense just couldn't move the ball. But they end up uh, out uh, gaining the Ravens 5.5 to 4.9 on yards per play. And where we were really lucky, I think, is in the red zone, which ironically came back to bite us a little later on Sunday, where the Ravens, who were a great red zone team, got there three times and failed to score a touchdown every single time. The Browns were 1-3. and DP, this was your game. We got the cover. Talk about what you saw on Sunday. Our Browns, baby. We're back with our Browns. I mean, (laughs) listen, the Browns have played well all year. Um, if you ask me, their their defense especially, I think, has been um, a bit overlooked, maybe some undervalued a little bit. Um, people just assume that, oh, my gosh, it's the Browns. But every game they've played in was close, um, this one included. Uh, before this week, I think the biggest uh, point differential in any of their games was four points. Um, you know, they've they've had some tough competition with the the Saints. I mean, they went down to New Orleans, and they, they hung in that game. And overall, they've done well. This game uh, particularly, I mean, I thought Baker Mayfield did all right. I think that the rest of the offense around him didn't play up to like the level that Baker was at. There was there was some uh, mistimings on things. There were some drop balls. Um, I thought that the the Browns ran the ball all right. Uh, Carlos Hyde specifically. Carlos Hyde. I was really impressed with uh, his vision. You know, he he's not he doesn't seem like the fastest back or or the shiftiest back, but he has. It looks like really elite vision. There was a lot of times that I was like, there's no hole there. They're going to get, you know, one yard. And then he would somehow get through there for six or seven. And I was uh, really impressed by that overall. Um, I was a little bit wondering where the heck David Njoku was uh, for for much of the game. Also, Jarvis Landry didn't seem to show up till a little bit later on. um, But they eventually uh, got involved, which was, was a good sign. Callaway, I, I just don't know what to think of that guy other than he can just run really, really fast. Um, it just seems like whenever they throw in the ball, it's like a 50-50 shot if he's going to catch it. And then if he does catch it, yeah, he has the chance to take it to the house. But I just have no idea if that guy has good hands or not or if his head's screwed on straight. It doesn't necessarily seem like it. Um, and then on defense, you know, like like you said, a couple trips to the red zone for the Ravens. But Browns held tough, which is very surprising. I mean, the Ravens were like, you know, 100 for 100 or something insane <laughs> going getting touchdowns when going into the red zone this year. Uh, I think it helped. The home field advantage helped. I think if this if this game is played in Baltimore, I think that Baltimore can you know end up pulling it out, getting the cover when they need to, and things can fall apart like you were kind of alluding to early on, that this just felt like it was going to fall apart. It was going to be some sort of crazy moose at the end, but uh, ultimately the Browns came out. And I mean, I think they're going to be, I don't know, it's going to be interesting going forward. I thought a lot of people would, would uh, be on them, but a lot of people weren't. They were like the 30th team or 28th most popular team in the super contest this week so it'll be interesting to see how people are on them going forward and we might need to pull back on on diving in on them so much and making them the favorite that they have been of ours in years past but overall i like what i see from them yeah i thought baker looked great 342 yards eight yards in attempt he did have a bad interception to start the game but shook it off and battled back that was one of those red zone failures for the ravens was coming off of that interception uh couldn't agree more on Antonio Callaway. That guy just seems like a total dog. They took a chance on him in the draft. Really hasn't panned out. Uh, unfortunately, though, Rashard Higgins 
looked like he suffered an injury in that game, so they might have to lean on Callaway a little bit more. Uh, and but then this something Derek Willie's guy. He obviously had one of the bigger catches in the game there in the overtime period. And yeah, and Joku really woke up there towards the end, catching six for seventy. Browns will continue to be frisky. Uh, Baker is going to make them competitive on the offensive side of the ball, and we really like their defense. So as long as that remains the case, they're going to be a very strong team, and especially a bet on team. I think at home, other side of the ball, Ravens. You know, they're who we thought they were. we we they're who. Trying to get my Dennis Green correct here. They are who we thought they were. Flacco, 56 attempts and still can't break the 300-yard mark. 5.3 yards per attempt. The running game is horrifying. Uh, Alex Collins, 12 for 60, uh, which is surprising because you would think getting Marshall Yonda back, getting healthier on the offensive line, they'd be a little tougher there. But Brown's defensive front was stout. And in the receiving core, Michael Crabtree, really tough game, had some bad drops, which, again, I'm very uh, happy that happened. I do feel a bit fortunate. But the Ravens, like, if you squint, there's not much difference between these two teams, right? DP, like, it, it's a, there's a reason this game was 12-9. to 9. Like, the Ravens are not that much better than the Browns. Yeah, if, I think the Ravens all, are just... If at all better pretty... than the Browns, you know? Yeah, I mean they're just they're like they're they're solid. I mean they're 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 not average. They're better than average, but they're also not like really good. They're just a decent team. You know, they're not going to do a lot of really stupid stuff. Their defense is still pretty sound. They have a good coach. I mean, Flacco can be a total idiot at times, but he's you know he's fine. He's fine back there. I mean, I just I don't I, I watch this these games with with the Ravens, and I just I I don't you watch the game and then they, they look kind of all right, but then they have a bunch of drops. They have a bunch of runs that don't go anywhere. And, you know, but I just, I don't know. And then, and then I, I look at the end of the game and I'm like, well, how did they, like, I don't, I don't understand anything that just happened. Flacco threw the ball. How many times? Like what? <laughs> like, I don't even remember Flacco, Flacco throwing the ball more than 50 times. I just, they just seem so dull and boring. I um, mean, outside of that, that game when they played against Buffalo and they just absolutely blew doors. I mean, this team is, they're all right, but, Going on the road in a tough divisional game and, and giving up a field goal, I mean, that was just going to be a hard spot, in my opinion. Um, I just, you know, if this game was in Baltimore, the, the Ravens were going to be nine-point favorites. I just, I don't see it. Um, so that's why they were my number one play. Browns were one of the four home dogs to cover last week. 4-0 against the spread. Home dogs are now 14-5-1 and against the spread this season. Good for 72.5%. And then just home teams in general, 11 11- Three and one against the spread last week were the home teams, and they are currently 44, 30, and four on the season. So if you just blindly bet every single home team so far this year, you'd be winning at a clip of 59%. That's going to be something interesting to keep tabs on moving forward. One road team that we had that covered one of the three was the Arizona Cardinals. They were four-point dogs heading to Santa Clara to take on the San Francisco 49ers, and they won outright 28-18. to This one is a game where the, I don't think the score is very indicative of actually how close this contest was. This was a weird one. The box score says that the Niners absolutely thrashed the Cardinals. Niners, 33 first downs. Cardinals, 10. Plays run. Niners, 92. Cardinals, 
49. Yards per play, Niners, 4.9. Cardinals, 4.5. And just passing yards. Our boy, C.J. Beathard, goes out and scores and throws for 300, where Josh Rosen can only muster 170 passing yards. Like, the DP, this is a weird one. Defense was great for the Cardinals. I'll give him that. But how did the Cardinals win by 10 here? I don't understand. Defensive touchdown, and, obviously. And, yeah, and, and 70 of those yards, I think, came on that one pass play. The, oh, yeah. the deep bomb. It's just the whole to Christian Kirk. Yeah, what is going on here? I, I really don't know what's. Go- I don't. I don't know what what the coaching staff is really trying to do in Arizona. Um, I think it's Steve Wilkes is the head coach, and McCoy is the offensive coordinator. I just, I mean, I feel like they have good weapons. I feel like Josh Rosen looks pretty freaking good. Um, I mean, he looks like he has good vision. He looks like he knows how to like stand in the pocket and doesn't freak out like you see a lot of rookie quarterbacks. Just they kind of freak out too early until they they build up that experience. Um, he looks like he throws the ball really well. It's tight. It's accurate. Um, I, I just, but, and then they have David Johnson. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald isn't the Larry Fitzgerald of old, but he's still very solid. Christian Kirk looks very good. Um, I just, I don't really know what this offense is doing. Like what, where, where do the plays go? Where do the yards go? What, like what, what are they calling? I, the, the, the whole thing with David Johnson is just a total head scratcher to me. I mean, that guy is like, just seems like he should be, you know, Todd Gurley light and he's just not, I mean, I don't know if they're not using him right. I don't know if he's just not the same after the injuries he's had. I have no idea what to expect, but this team, I mean, we felt really strongly about this, this game, you know, just not the fact that the Niners, well, they can't tackle whatsoever. So kind of just line up David Johnson, give him the ball. He's going to go off for 200. Well, that didn't happen. And, you know, like you just said, when you ran through all these stats, if you just look at the, all the stats and you don't look at the actual score. I mean, there's how can you not say that the Niners blew the Cardinals out of the water? The weird thing for me is that Josh Rosen's like an optical illusion. Every time he drops back, I'm fascinated by how good his footwork is, how great he is in the pocket. He moves around. Well, the ball comes out of his hand really nicely. And then I look and he had a 40% completion percentage and only 6.8 yards per attempt. And I'm like, what happened? I thought this guy played great. Then, <laughs> like the numbers say he doesn't. Like I'm so confused. Yeah, I, I don't really get. It. I I want to say that his receivers are dropping a lot of balls. I mean, they definitely were two weeks ago. This last week, I mean, it was not not so much. But the week before, I mean, even Larry Fitzgerald dropped like three or four balls that I was really shocked to see him drop. But yeah, I don't really understand. Um, I feel like I feel like the Cardinals though are going to be with that team that like we can still find value on because I don't think anyone's going to give them any sort of love. Like if you actually watch that game, I mean you're just like what the hell is going on? You know, I mean the defense plays good, which is a good sign because um, I don't think a lot of people, especially in the 2018 NFL, they recognize when a defense can be really good. You know, everyone just wants to see offense and that's what's in everyone's mind all the time and that's what sticks out. Um, but when a defense is really good, I mean we we get a lot when the, we look at the bears, for example, you know, the offense, the offense has played better this year, but last year specifically, you know, we jumped on the bears in a lot of key spots simply because of their defense. Um, I think we can do that here um, with the, with the Cardinals and get some good numbers, but yeah, they're going to need to put up some sort of points at some point, at least kind of stay with teams. So I don't know, hopefully they can get it right, but I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm just, I, I think I more look to the coaching and McCoy specifically at the offensive coordinator. He just seems like he doesn't know what the heck he's doing out there whatsoever. Yeah. If, I mean, if you just take the two defensive touchdowns away, this is a push for us. And the the Cardinals are not always going to win the turnover battle five to nothing. So I, I'm, I'm very weary 
of this Cardinals team, especially on the road. They're they're catching a big number this week in a game. Uh, uh, oh no, I'm thinking of the Niners. The Niners are going to Green Bay, but the the Cardinals. I'm very wary of backing them on the road. Very wary. If, if I see Chase Edmonds on the field in like a key third down, I'm gonna freaking lose my mind. I'm gonna break my TV. I cannot look. What are they doing? I don't understand. Speaking of breaking televisions, let's go to the night game. It was Texans 19, Cowboys 16. You want to talk about looking at the box score and expecting domination. Texans 25 first downs, Cowboys 14 yards per play. Texans 6.1, Cowboys 4.9. And then red zone trips, 6 for the Texans, 2 for the Cowboys, but in those six red zone trips, the Texans could only muster one touchdown. And in one of those red zone trips, they ended the half with Deshaun Watson getting blasted at the one yard line. DP Bill O'Brien was once a coordinator for the Patriots. Even though they won this game, he's got to go, right? You just, you just got to snap both these coaches, just snap fire them after the game. I mean, Jason Garrett's never going to get fired just because he feels like well, he's he a feels pawn. Like just a warm body. Well, he's a pawn, and Jerry likes yeah, that. And, Jerry gets yeah, to control he, everything through him. Exactly, and he just lets Jerry do what Jerry wants to do, right? If he was, if he had a little bit more personality, if he pushed back against the coach a bit, if he kind of did his own thing, had his own mind, that he certainly would not be there. I mean, this is like the perfect coach for the Cowboys to allow Jerry Jones to run Jerry's world like he wants to run Jerry's world. Um, but on the other side of the ball, Bill O'Brien. I mean, I have, I don't know what Bill O'Brien is doing. I think that, you know, like you said, I mean, he's just got to go. I mean, it's it's been a couple years now, and it, it hasn't really turned around. Uh, I mean, that, that that defense is is good, but I mean, the defense just has a ton of talent, a bunch of freaks of nature up front. So if you can't get by with the defense like that, well, then you're just absolutely horrible. But this offense, this offense has talent. Um, I mean, Deshaun Watson seemed to light the world on fire last year and then he got hurt. Well, he, I mean, he doesn't look horrible and he's certainly athletic. Uh, the wide receivers are, are pretty good. Um, I mean, they're, they're not that bad of a team or they shouldn't be that bad of a team, but the, these Bill O'Brien to me, the, the biggest reason why I think that he needs to go is that he is one of these offensive coaches where his head is buried in the play sheet and he's calling the plays on offense. And when the offense goes down six times and can't score a touchdown to save their lives, well, I'm sorry, but you're not a good play caller. You're just not. Well, and it's sick, too, because I believe it was their first trip that they scored. They ran, again, this jet action pop pass. Kiki Cootie catches the ball, walks into the end zone, touchdown. And again, like the Dolphins, this is a team that can crush teams laterally, especially when the other team is without their best linebacker in Sean Lee and can't really defend sideline to sideline in the short area as well as they'd like to. You have so much speed at wide receiver, I don't understand how they can't do something creative at the goal line. And I'm not even mentioning the speed that they have at quarterback. Every time they would run a quarterback play, like they ran a designed outside run for Deshaun Watson at the goal line, and he just kind of like walked into the one-yard line and got crushed. It's like, how do we not have any kind of motion on that play to, to freeze at least the secondary, at least the safeties that are back at like the edge of the end zone? No, they just run just this direct snap off tackle run to their quarterback instead of having some sort of play action or jet action or read option like 
there's there was zero creativity by the goal line. And it, what happened was you'd have Deshaun Watson, who I think he's really talented, but he just did some not bright things. Like at the at the goal line, the most difficult thing that the offense has to deal with is the lack of real estate. There's nowhere to run, right? There's only so much depth there is to the play. And when you start rolling to one direction, then you cut the field in half. So then all of a sudden, you're working with like this really finite space, which, great, Deshaun, you're really talented, and you can set the edge, and you can get there. But there's so many bodies out there that it's really hard to get to the pylon when you're that close. So you just kind of have to stand in there, use both sides of the field, and create some room. And honestly, that might that starts with coaching, right? Like you have to design plays where he can get the ball out quick to either side and not have the time to just roll out, break pocket, and cut the field into a quarter. So the whole thing was just so frustrating to watch, especially when you have so much talent on offense and you have an offensive head coach. I couldn't believe they failed so much in the goal, uh, in the red zone. It was unbelievable. Yeah, and a, and a little bit, you know, along those lines is is the the way that the the offense is set up, you know, right when they're going to snap the ball. I just thought it was surprising a lot of times that they didn't look to, you know, try and run a play where they can get DeAndre Hopkins kind of in a one-on-one area where you're either going to throw like a back shoulder, you're going to throw a short out, you're going to throw a fade, anything like that. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins can go up against any quarterback in the league and just you know, absolutely win that battle every single time. But they just didn't ever seem to really run those plays. And it honestly, it didn't even seem like they were interested in trying to run any of those plays. I mean, you have one of the, what, top three, top five wide receivers in the game who can make the most ridiculous catches, has some of the strongest hands, if not the strongest hands in the NFL. Um, why not give him more opportunities instead of, like you said, you know, cutting off the field and only forcing yourself to run and and really cutting things down to, you know, a quarter of the real estate that you started with. Washington ran a play last night that I think Bill O'Brien has to immediately put into his goal line package. And that was, it was a quarterback sneak, but the way it was designed is they had that diamond formation. So you put four receivers to the right, three of them in like a blocking position and one of them behind the line of scrimmage like they're going to catch a swing pass. And then you put a fade receiver on the opposing side. So they had Jordan Reed on the left, which kind of commands a double team, if not just your best cornerback out there and like a safety with his eye over there. So all of a sudden you have what looks like an obvious wide receiver screen on one side, what looks like an obvious fade on the other side, and then you just run up the middle with the quarterback. You spread the defense as thin as possible. And honestly, I think that's a play that if if Bill O'Brien... What a lot of teams do is they get uh, a, a reel early in the week of red zone plays that other teams ran uh, the week prior. And if, if Bill O'Brien doesn't install that into his goal line package, God help him, because I think that's a perfect play for their offense. So one of the one of the, the positive takeaways uh, from this game, you know, while we uh, harp so negatively on the Texans, are that I think we nailed the Cowboys once again. They're I mean, this horrible. team, they're so bad. They can't, like you said, they can't cover fast teams. Um, I mean, they just can't unless the only way that, that I feel like their defense stops the other team is if the other team stops themselves like the Texans did here. They kept getting into the red zone and then they just couldn't score because they're just incompetent. And then on offense, I mean, they cannot you went through the stats stats at the beginning. I mean, they cannot move the ball other than, you know, the times when there is, you know, a play action uh, like dump off to Zeke and he can go for 30 yards or he can make something happen or Zeke just breaks, you know, a run like he's going to do, you know, two or three times a game. Um, other than that, this offense cannot move the ball. They cannot score. I mean, Dak Prescott does not look good at all. He looks 
methodical, which is really bad if you're an NFL quarterback. He doesn't look as athletic as he did last year. He, he wasn't even that athletic. He looks like he should be more athletic than he was. He looks like he's got a, a nice build. He's strong. Um, he can seem like he moves around a lot, but he doesn't He doesn't get out and run a ton. Um, he tries to be a pocket passer, and he's just not that good at it. And then the wide receivers never seem to get open. So uh, this offense just – I mean, we, we said it. How are they going to score to be able to to stay with the Texans? Uh, you know, The only way that this game was close and ended up in a push is because the Texans couldn't score. This should have been a win by 21 points, but it wasn't. Yeah, Zeke's going to get hurt, man. Like He's taking a beating out there. He is their entire – offense and he looked amazing on Sunday night he got every inch that was available to him in this game but he's getting no help there is no passing game and running backs die man running backs they take too many hits and they go down that's just a fact of life that's part of the position and I have very uh I'm I'm very worried about (laughs) Zeke's future as long as this offense is as constipated as it is all right, let's move to Monday night where, hold on one second, DP. I think we need to take a pause so that the Breeze family can interrupt the podcast and bust out some white gloves and, and take this MP3 to Canton where it can be enshrined for the rest of eternity. The Washington racial slurs ran into a buzzsaw last night. 43-19 was the final. Drew Breeze was on the precipice of breaking the all-time passing yards record. He did so in the first half on a play that seemed to mirror the Strahan sack on Brett Favre when Brett Favre basically just fell down so that Strahan could touch him down and take Mark Gastineau's sack record. Nobody was in the same zip code as Traquan Smith on that last Saints touchdown in the second quarter. So much so that ESPN's next-gen stats said it was the most open a receiver has been on a touchdown all season. Uh, I don't think anything more could have gone wrong last night. Alex Smith turned into a pumpkin. He he was missing throws that, I mean, Alex isn't the most precise passer. He's not the most uh, aggressive passer. But wide-open guys, he's just not setting his feet and delivering the ball. That pick six... Guy was open on the right-hand side for multiple seconds, which in an NFL game is an eternity, and he just throws it late, and it gets picked. It wasn't a uh, pick six, but it was taken down to the goal line. Jordan Reed made his only play of the game, tackling the gentleman. DP, nothing went right last night. We basically knew at halftime that this game was a bust for the Washington racial slurs. Yeah, I mean, nothing went right. Uh, there were some bad penalties or, or non-penalty calls early on, you know, not in favor of the Redskins. That certainly didn't help. Um, I mean, the Saints looked like the Saints that were, I think we're always scared that they can look like. Um, you know, they just absolutely blew doors here. The Redskins, I mean, I wish Brett was here because he would be talking about how he just doesn't know what this team is. Um, you know, coming into the season, he thought that they were one of the most undervalued teams. I, I tend to agree with him. I mean, they seem like they're very solid. They, I, I want to say that their coach isn't that bad, but I don't really this. I don't really know what the hell this this whole you know game plan was. I mean, you had two weeks to prepare, and like some of these plays, I'm just like you're so you're running the ball with Chris Thompson and you're throwing the ball to Adrian Peterson. I'm just like I don't really understand what's going on here. Well, talk about um, talk about the stat that you dug up about the slurs off the bye. Yeah, the slurs off the bye. I, I want to say SI Gambling might have might have tweeted this out, but the the Redskins off a of bye week 
haven't covered the spread in 16 years. If that stat is true, which is now 17 years, by the way, if that stat is true, I mean, that's just like, how do you just not like just fall over and like it just happens, you know, like one one time? I mean, how, like, what are you doing? Are you just taking the whole two weeks off? Like, are you just going on vacation? Like, I, I don't get it. What are you guys doing? Jay Gruden has been the coach since 2014, so he's not part of that entire sample. But, man, like, totally unprepared, it seemed like, for last night. And in a game where the Saints secondary has been their weakness, and the game begins with Marcus Lattimore getting injured, A.J. Klein missed some of the game with injury, you've got all these holes on an already bad defense, and they just they find no way to take advantage of them, to push the ball downfield. And I understand, and Booger McFarlane kept saying this, it was one of the better points that he's made all season, because he's not made very many, is that Jason Witten kept urging the Redskins to fire the ball down the field and fire outside the boundaries, but it's just not what they're there to do. They're there to attack the seams and throw the ball over the middle. It's just that's Alex Smith's DNA, and that's kind of how the team is built with Jordan Reed, and Jamison Crowder, these are guys that win over the middle of the field, and they just they didn't adapt. When the situation was right in front of them, they didn't change what they were doing. The one time that they kind of uh, were aggressive were, was one of the few times that the Saints came out in, in a man formation, and Alex Smith took a shot to P. Rich, and P. Rich did what P. Rich does, is just climb the ladder and catch the ball. And I wish they would have taken a few more shots like that, but I don't know, just... They, your DP, you nailed it on the head. They just did not look prepared for a team that had two weeks to get ready for this game. Two weeks and an extra day. It was the Monday night game. They had an extra day, DP. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I, I thought I was surprised right away. You know, as soon as Lattimore went out, I'm like, oh, you got to attack whoever's that guy. Whoever's coming in. That, isn't that like the first thing you always do whenever a cornerback goes out is you attack the next guy and see if he's ready to play, ready to go, if he can handle it? That's what, but they, that's what Brady's doing. That's what Belichick's doing. Yeah, like it's like clockwork. Any any like decent, competent coach, quarterback, like you just like okay, attacking that guy until he proves to me that he can play and play on a similar level than the guy that just went out. That's who you attack. Or if there's a linebacker that goes out, okay, bunch of stuff over the middle, you know, bunch of stuff to the running backs, whatever it is. As soon as you find that weakness, and you know, oftentimes it's not that e- that easy to find the weakness. You know, you have to you have to find it, right? But when a guy goes out, I mean, it's right there. Like, that's the weakness. At least you have to try, right? So I, I was just surprised, um, you know, just Paul Richardson. He's He can go up. He can go deep. Why not just throw throw a deep one? You know, at least at least put it in that cornerback's head who's now on the field and has to has to do stuff that, oh, okay, like, uh, this is what it's going to be now. You're just going to attack me. But they just kept seeming to do the same thing over and over again. Um, at times I felt like Alex Smith wasn't even trying to look downfield, not even like super downfield, like, you know, just stuff over the middle to his wide receivers, Crowder and whatnot. Um, and he was just always just kind of waiting for Chris Thompson to free up and, and do then, you know, get hit the check down. And there was, there was at least three times that I saw when, you know, Chris Thompson tried to get out for that, for that dump off, but you know, the saints just drilled him at the line and he wasn't able to get out. So I feel like that, I mean, I don't know if that's schemed. I don't know if that's Alex Smith just being too timid because he has known to be the extra safe passer. Um, but yeah, it didn't look good all around. They certainly need to kind of get their head on straight. I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be a thing with the Redskins either. Cause the first week they looked good. Second week they played the Colts. They looked really bad last, the third game. They looked good. Now are they going to look bad again? Is it just going to be up and down, up and down, up and down all year? Who knows? And the, the two long touchdowns, just blown coverage, just assignments that are not being fulfilled 
by the defenders. Josh Norman missed some time in this game. He entering the game had a hamstring injury, so we don't know how much that affected him. And then just back to the Lattimore thing, just to put a a bow on that. Even if you don't go after the guy replacing him right away, he didn't come back. Like he left the game with a concussion, did not return. So you just have to, even at halftime, you have to look at that and say, look, we're going to test these guys on the boundaries. We're going to take some shots. And again, I don't know if it's an Alex Smith thing. I don't know if he's just so checked down Charlie that he's just, even with the play calls for multiple deep posts and multiple go routes, he's still going to find the check down. I don't know. But there was something that was completely off last night about the Washington scheme and then blown coverage on defense you're just you're just not gonna win against Joe Brace doing that he's just gonna find I'm also starting to just I I don't know if I can take it Jordan Reed anymore like that guy is like he's 80 percent never shows up 20 percent plays with Mace well I don't know I I don't get it it's a weird one uh was he not open ever or like what happened I mean even if he's not open everyone everyone always talks about how he's just so awesome and he's so athletic and you know yeah he's not like the big tight end that is Gronk, but he's kind of more of that wide receiver type tight end that can, you know, but he's a huge body, right? So why, I don't know, why is he not open? Do the, do the Saints have these amazing cover linebackers that just all of a sudden showed up? The, the return of Mark Ingram last night was, this was, if you wanted to get excited about the Saints, if you wanted to put away week one and two and say that those were aberrations, this this is really the game that you were looking for. All summer, we heard about Cameron Meredith and how that kind of big body receiver was going to be used. He catches five for 71. At the end of the preseason, we started getting a lot of love for Traquan Smith. He's only targeted three times, but he catches all three for 111 yards and two touchdowns. Again, granted, busted coverage. And then you get Mark Ingram back off of the suspension, and he looks as fresh as ever. And they it seemed like they went out of their way to feed him the rock. Uh, I guess the only people that were upset about this game, DP, were Alvin Kamara fantasy owners because this was by far his worst game. Also, Sharps, man. This line closed at five and a half. Yeah. It was and it opened at seven. So to to move off seven, you know, to move off six, I think is is pretty significant. So it took some some sharp sharp accents, some money, and you know, the public was on the Saints. So yeah. One thing I'm pissed about is that they bought my they brought my boy Teddy Bridgewater in to take the Neals. It's brutal. They didn't, they didn't want to give Teddy Bridgewater those negative three or uh, Drew Brees those negative three rushing yards. It's brutal. Well, they should have just given it to whatever Taysom Smith or whatever the heck his name is. Taysom Hill, but he he's Taysom actually, Hill. Sorry, he, he actually has a, uh, a, a yards per carry to protect though. You know, those three. Well, then fall forward, buddy. <laughs> Who do you think they go to in an injury? You think it's Taysom or you think it's Bridgewater? It's got to be Bridgewater, right? No, I think I think it's going to be Taysom. Really? I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like they just love Taysom. I feel like they. I want to say that. I mean, these franchises are so PR sensitive that if you brought Bridgewater in and you've been playing Taysom the whole time, I mean, granted, Taysom hasn't really thrown the ball out there. I mean, he's thrown it once or twice, but he hasn't, you know, been out there actually playing quarterback. He's, you know, he's everything that Tim Tebow was supposed to be. Um, but uh, yeah, I feel like that that's who they would go to. Until I mean I don't know maybe maybe they don't maybe they go to Bridgewater but I just feel like they're kind of stashing Bridgewater for another year or two who knows they got to resign Bridgewater though he's only under contract for this season so he's a he's unrestricted free agent next season so it's a very interesting situation I, I think 
they do love this Taysom Hill guy. Somebody said last night that Taysom Hill's the future guy and Bridgewater's just like the break glass in case of emergency backup. But I don't know. I, I, I'm seeing Bridgewater as the future guy and Taysom Hill is just this kind of gadget player that they keep next to him the entire time. I don't think Taysom Hill's an NFL quarterback by any sense. I was just going to say, is, is Taysom Hill going to survive in today's NFL? I mean, well, he doesn't yeah, take very many. You have, to, you have to be a passer, but if you're just going to be running all the time, you're going to get yourself killed. Well, I don't know. He doesn't take. He's 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 got that kind of Russell Wilson skill where he I've I've never seen him take a massive hit. He's he's pretty good at when he gets yeah, to the boundary. That's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely right. But I mean, he's a kick returner, right? So he can take some hits. I would assume he's already taken some big ones if he's returning kicks. So I don't know. All right, that turned out a little more positive than I thought. I'm still pissed that we're 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. I'm still pissed that we moved backwards in the Super Contest, but what are you going to do? Mo, if you're hate listening to this, keep it up. We need you to keep giving us some picks. And Brett, you're picking winners. You're just getting unlucky, all right? Bounce back week this week. Uh, Want to give a shout-out to sharpside.com. If you guys aren't already, you should be checking out sharp side for some advice some picks uh also if you're an ios user download the app make your selections follow the leaderboard it's a fun way to kind of banter with your friends maybe drop some advice in there if you feel like you have a beat on the game sharp side in the ios store follow us on twitter at gridiron gamble you can follow donnie at donnie underscore peters and i'm at rich t ryan We'll be back on Friday, hopefully to put together a winning Super Contest card. But until then, enjoy the rest of your week. Good luck in your fantasy waivers and whatnot. We'll see you Friday. Peace. Out.